decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow.
Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. Very glad that you all are here on this nice, cool, well, it's cooler than other places. Let's bow for a brief prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this good day. Lord, help us to be thankful. Uh, no matter what the temperature is, no matter what's going on around us, Lord, help us to be thankful to be in your house. And uh, we offer this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love lifted me. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted even me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to him I give, ever to him I'll cling, in his blessed presence live, ever his praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best songs. Faithful, loving service to, to Him belongs. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted even me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Souls in danger look above, Jesus completely saves, he will lift you by his love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea, billows his will obey. He, your Savior, wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted even me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me, love lifted even me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Pastor. Hey guys. crowd is growing smaller. It's because we're getting into things that people are afraid of, I think. That's what I think. So, we're going to talk 
about reaching our community again a little bit more tonight. And tonight is your guys' opportunity to give me feedback and for us to share ideas and sort of brainstorm a little bit. You know, we, we live in a world that's full of choices. We understand that. But we talked about all those things with all the different kinds of Coke there was as we closed last week. And one of the things that we talked about a little bit is saturation evangelism. And I gave you a statement at the top of your page. Saturation evangelism is using every available means to reach every available person at every available time. And while we want to talk about targeting the individuals that we're trying to reach out to, saturation evangelism is putting all those hooks in the water that we talked about fishing some last week. You know, growing churches practice that saturation evangelism. And they do it very effectively and very efficiently. But it takes time to learn how to do that. So as we look at some of these things tonight, I want you to remember those things and just keep that saturation evangelism in the back of your mind. So I asked you a question. Why will you or put together uh, the questions? Why we usually fish with only one hook? A lot of churches only use one methodology. The wrong question is how much will it cost? Everybody always wants to know how much stuff costs. But the right question when it comes to evangelism is who will it reach? Who are we going to reach with this? How much will it cost and who will it reach? Most churches in their early years are driven by faith. But most churches in their later years are driven by finances. You're either driven by faith or you're driven by finances when it comes to church work and church ministry. And that's, that can be a situation whether it, it impedes the progress of churches as they grow older. You know, chronologically as far as the membership goes and chronologically as far as the um, buildings and things. We're having a lot of repairs right now. The uh, it's public service announcements. The air conditioner is still out. It may be out for another five to ten days. They're looking for a compressor because <laughs> it's it's fried, but uh, they can't do anything until they get a compressor. So and and so many things are on back order and not coming in when they should and everything else. So so money and money spent on evangelism though should never be looked at as an expense. It should always be thought as an investment. Do you remember the story in Matthew 17 where Jesus talks about the coin? I can get over there. It's Matthew 17, starting in verse 24. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak to Jesus, Jesus asked him, What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or people they have conquered? I find that an interesting question. Um, if we did that in the United States, how would that work for us? We wouldn't have to pay as much tax, would we? Think about that for a little bit. <laughs> they tax people, they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. 
However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for the both of us. So where's the money at? In the fish's mouth, right? The more fish we bring in, if we're talking about it from a fishing standpoint, using that analogy still, those fish, after they become knowing and understanding what tithing means and what it means to be a part of a family and what it means to contribute, that money will come back three, four, five, tenfold into the coffers of the church to do more ministry. And that's how we have to sort of think about it. It's, it's not... It's not a new strategy again. It was a principle that Jesus was trying to get Peter to understand and for us to understand as we get into this. You know, if, if we focus on fishing and doing fishing and evangelism the right way, money's not going to be an issue. We'll always have money to pay the bills. And I believe that we'll have money to pay the bills regardless right now. And we do. Um, but we have to make evangelism more of a priority in order to maintain that. So the second thing is churches never really have money problems. What they have is idea problems. Idea problems. Money flows to God-given Holy Spirit visions and dreams. Now, I made, a, I made an announcement Sunday that the benevolence fund was low. And, and many people gave to that rather quickly. And we took in several thousand dollars in just one instance. Okay? But I also said, not only did we have the need, but I told you what that need was and why it was needed and what it was for. I gave you guys the vision, if you would. That's what we need to make sure when we give folks the understanding of what we're looking for and what we're doing, why we're doing the things we're doing. You deal with little kids, man, they got to know why, right? It's the same way with new people in churches and some of old people in churches. We need to be able to be able to explain why. Hudson Taylor said, God's work done God's way will not lack God's support. And people don't always give to a need, but they will give to a vision, they'll give to a dream, because that vision and dream captures their imagination. It's something they can see visually in their mind, and that's what we want to be able to do. Um, you know, if we, could, if we could just announce a need, and every need could be fulfilled monetarily, then there wouldn't be any 501c3s that were, were having any financial problems because they'd have all the money they needed. But that's not true. There's a lot of 501c3s right now that are struggling because either they're not getting the vision out there, they're not getting the image out there, or those 501c3s, those nonprofits, are struggling because of some other issues. Well, I don't know why. There's a bunch of different reasons why that's possible. But we need to remember, evangelism needs to be done in a particular way. So now, just a little bit of, that was just to wet your whistle a little bit. So some personal exercises on your sheets, 
you have some things that I want to do a little bit of tonight, but I also want you to take home and work on, all right? So I want you to take a few minutes, take three or four minutes here, and I want you to write down the names of five people that you're going to commit to pray for, and maybe you're already praying for them that will come to know Jesus. Five individuals that you know are that you're currently praying for to come to know Jesus. Take a couple minutes and do that. And if you can't get five right now, that's okay. But I want you to think, think some of this through. And they may not even be here. They may not even be in this state. They may be a family. They may be a friend. They may be a coworker or someone you've known for years that lives somewhere else. But I just want you to take a few minutes and take the time and commit to pray for them that if they're, not, if they're not somewhere where you can minister to them, that God will send someone their way that will be able to minister to them and they'll accept. Over the last three or four weeks, we've been talking about this targeting our community. So the first thing I want to do is, is probe a little bit for us and you can work on those names later too um, what do we already know about our community it's growing absolutely what else a tremendous number of retirees okay what else okay a lot of them have Catholic background, right? Are you writing these things down on your list? As people say, I mean, we need to write them down. Okay, a lot of young families are coming in too, all right? Can you think of some other things you know about the community? Okay, okay, there's a void in a lot of people's lives, and they're seeking something, but they don't know what they need to fill that void. Okay, anything else? Those are all great answers. There's a lot of unchurched, yeah, there is. So that's the kind of things that you need to put on that list. You know, what we already know about our community. Then the next question is, how can we learn more about our community? I gave you guys some ideas last week. Somebody's phone's ringing. Catchy tune. Talk to your neighbors. All right. Yeah, it'll quit. <laughs> That's probably a smart move, buddy. 
never, ever open a woman's purse. <clears throat> so how else, how else can we possibly learn more about our community? What are some things that we talked about? Do you remember? Okay, surveys. And where's Paul? He's hiding. And Ryan. Yeah, you two, you two came up with an idea last week. What did you come up with? Oh, he's throwing you under the bus. Okay. They want to do social media surveys for people in our area and get more of the information we need. It could be tied to our website. It could be tied to some of the accounts that some of the people that visit our website are tied to. There's all different ways that they, these two gentlemen talked about last week, and we just need to come up with the questions. And we're, we're setting a target date for 30 to 45 days out. Is that right, Paul? You said maybe in about a month, right? Okay. All right. I, don't, don't, don't. I don't always remember, but I don't forget much. Okay. Um, so that's sort of the probing things we can do and we need to do. But how about the partition? Now, when I say partition, if we divide our, our, our area into segments, what are the various groups, I guess would the, be a better way to say this, what are the various groups that live in our area? Can you think of some various groups? You mentioned a couple of them, senior adults. Young adults, Hispanics. See, what we're doing is we're just brainstorming right now. I'm just getting you guys to feed, get some information out there so that we all can see it and look at it. Now, will this group be the ones that make these final decisions on some of this stuff? Maybe, maybe not. They're, they're, the more you dig deeper into this kind of stuff, the less interest in this stuff there is by the main congregation. It's the core. Remember what I said about the centrist uh, uh, circles, the crowd, the, the, the congregation, the core, those type of things. We talked about that a little bit. That core is the ones that need to make some of these. It should be combination of deacons, trustees, lay leaders. It should be teachers, pastors, assistant pastors, office personnel. Anybody that is going to be directly involved in that to make that happen. Because even though every single one of you could be sitting here and be in the core tonight, but the old analogy, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. You see what we got right here, right? All right. I, I just, I, if we look at these things and we're serious about these things, then it may be up to many of us to implement. That's the catch. Yeah, Chris. Mm -hmm. And man, did that trigger the questions I had and the responses I got brought tons of information in. Right. More than I wanted. 
if you ask the right questions and get the get their attention on something that is they're passionate about mm-hmm. or emotional about, then they're going to respond. Yeah. But if it's boring, they're going to go. Yep. Yep. You do have to have the right questions. So, what are some of those various groups? I gave you guys a couple of ideas. New young families, senior adults, you said Hispanics, Anglos, blacks, there's ethnic diversity, those various groups. Okay, so you have the unchurched group, and then you have those that have left the church because they've been offended or hurt by someone at the church or the church as a whole. And, and they're, they're looking at it from the whole perspective of church. Okay? What other type of various groups do we have? Youth. Youth? Hmm? Teenagers. Teenagers. Okay, people coming in from out of state, not necessarily out of town, right. all completely new. Okay, so think about that. Just keep that in the back of your mind. And then prioritize. This is where it gets tricky, all right? You choose which group to target first. It's not which group you're only going to target, but you choose which group you're going to target first. And as you look at that, we have to ask ourselves to that question that's on that page right there. Who has God called us to reach? And remember we talked about it last week. You can't say everybody. Warren. Young families because it crosses online. Okay, young families. That's one option. The people you feel most called to personally. Okay, those, that you, those who you feel more drawn to personally. All right. Because I'm gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna wind through this, and I'm gonna give you guys some other things to think about. Is there a right answer? Yes and no. <laughs> That's a political answer, right there, Warren. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You're on the right track. You're on the right track. So, so who do you think God has called us to reach? Give me another group. Well, of course, the lost, yes. It is a group. That unchurched group. 
that we were talking about, right? Okay. Now, I got another question down there. Does this match who we are? The group that you guys are talking about to prioritize, to go after first, does any of those groups match who we are as a church? This is a setup. I should have told you guys this before. But we have to think about that. All right? Because as, as I unwrap this, you're going to see how this sort of fits but doesn't fit. So then there's a position. So, so we're probing. We're, we're, we're looking at the partitions, the divisions in the area of the groups that we're looking at. We're looking at those various groups. We're looking at the, the um, position now. And we need to develop a clear image of the type of church we want to be. How do you think we could go about that? Is, is, already, is most of that already done? Are we giving an image to the community already of the type of church we are? Yes. In what ways, Mitch? The ministries we have. Now, the question is, how do we move those people that are participating in the ministries into the church? That's, that's something I want you to just think about. We have, let's, let's take, let's take the, the food distribution, all right? We have typically on a week 60, 70 people come. 60, 70 families that participate in the food box ministry. Some, some, some weeks it's more, some weeks it's a little less. But let's say we have 70. How many have we drawn in out of that ministry? Maybe five, six, over the course of the last six months? How do we, how do we move the rest of those people from outside these walls into the walls to hear the message. That they're wanting to come inside. That they're wanting to hear the message. We know they're unchurched, many of them. Some of them will allow the, the teams to pray with them when they take the food boxes out. Some of them will not. Those that will not are those that have maybe been hurt by the church or, or don't want anything to do with the church or, you know, we don't know. Warren. I was going to say forming a relationship with them when you when you're walking the box out, you're talking to them, and you're relating to who they are. Okay. Their their situation. Sort of sort of friendship evangelism type thing. Okay. Okay. 
Okay? So offer another avenue of somehow we can meet their need. All right? Yeah, Larry? Okay. That's what I see. Okay. That's I, I, every week I come in, I see between five and ten people that I talk to personally and food boxes that are in here now. Okay. You know? Right. And it's because you build a rapport with them, become friendly to them, talk to them like, hey, you know, you're my best friend or whatever, and mean it. Right. Right. You know, because they, they can tell. All right. Ryan and then Warren. Right. Right. To get them in here. What 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 do you call that? Putting another hook in the water. But you're using another hook. Right? Yeah. It was it was just an opportunity to use another hook to get them to come listen, to get them to come participate, to get them to come see that we're not a bunch of wackos, right? Because a lot of the outside world that doesn't know what goes on in churches, they, they think there's something really peculiar going on in there. Now, we are called to be a peculiar people. There's no question about that. But you guys are pretty peculiar anyway. So, Ryan. So maybe we need to advertise that differently when we're doing the food boxes themselves. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, we, they usually get a flyer, I think, in the box or something. Um, not necessarily a business card. So let's, let's think about this. If, if we're to reach the group that you think God's calling us to reach, whatever that group might be, as you look at your list, the various lists that you guys have in front of you, what strengths do we already have? As a church, as we're presenting ourselves to the outside world, what strengths are already present within this body of believers, within this congregation, within this church because it's not the building, it's the people. Love, Love. okay? Accountability. Accountability. Tamla. Okay, so those are some great strengths. What are some others you might think of? And you're still writing these on your paper, I hope. Friendliness. Friendliness. Okay. Because this is so that you guys can, can mull some of this stuff over and go back and look at this and add or take away things as we start to close in on our targets. The car show. That's an outreach, yep. The gospel music events, yep. We got a couple of those coming up if we can get them lined up right. I'm say it, say it again, Nancy. 
potty training classes. We don't have that one yet, but we, but we may be able to add that. <laughs> no, 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 she should. No, no, no. Um, so those are some strengths that we already have. What are some strengths, because Nancy just brought up possible potty training for the, for the younger children that we talked about last week and joked a little bit about, what strengths do you think we need to develop? A membership class. Membership class. Mm-hmm. That part of your responsibility is tithing. Once they start doing that, God will bless them. Yeah. Um, bless that activity. Um, but they don't know any of that until. Because I've seen people come forward, and six months later, you can't find them. Right. So we need something to stop that door from opening again. Right. There's a. There, I, I talked to a couple other pastors in the last couple of weeks. That seems to be a prevalent problem right now. They're coming. There's a, a few people coming in the front door, but they're going right out the back door almost as quick. And it's got it's got several pastors scratching their heads. Guys that have been in a long way longer than I have. Okay. So expand our advertising for in-house ministries, current in-house ministries, to make them more public. Okay. I like that. You keep praying for that sign, Tamil. <laughs> you keep praying, girl. <laughs> Rafi. Okay, building more rapport, right? Okay. I uh, I see you waving back there, Paul, but I don't know what you said. What were you? What did you? Text in church. Something he's working on. Yeah, something the youth will have a ball with, I'm sure. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. More evangelism training. Those are some things that we need to work on. Agreed. All those things are very good ideas. Right. Like quarterly swaps here in the church. 
Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, Glenn and Rafi. Well, believe it or not, Pastor and I were exploring the idea, Dr. Jay and I were exploring the idea of putting in a splash path about a year before he passed away. We were trying to figure out how we could, how we could make it function and, and make it safe and utilizable. And, you know, because we're sort of in a rural area and we don't have some of the in-town facilities that some of those folks do, and we were trying to think about security and quite a few other things, but we actually had talked about a splash pad at one point to bring the kids in, to give the parents a break, and uh, there, there's a lot of opportunity about some of those things. Yeah, Rafi. Mm -hmm. We talked about that too. This area that's over here to the left as you come in the parking lot, if we designed that right and did that, we could actually put a ball field playground area type thing in that area. It has to stay low-lying, and it has to allow the water to drain through it when it rains. We can't block any water. So we'd have to do some real engineering on that to make that work. But the county at one time said we could do that when we were looking at another building out front. Uh-huh. Yes, we do. We do. We're we're a polling place. Yeah. Warren? That's that that might be a possibility we need to look at somewhere down the line. Um you know, like I said, what I, what I'm trying to get you guys to thinking about is how can we reach out to the community? And, and, and once, we, once we figure out how and who, then, then we have to figure out when and what we're going to do about it. <laughs> we, that's the tough part. Uh, Glenn and then Chris.
and we, we would do. Yeah, there's nothing out here. Right. And and the, the the only thing we have to keep in mind is we have and it's like I told you guys initially, we can't run any programs without the personnel to run them. And we can't run any program without a leader. Somebody the leader has to be passionate about that program. You know? Chris and then Rafi. Yeah, we could start out doing something quarterly and then move to something maybe once a month and make a different venue each month or each quarter. And those are all great ideas. I love them. Now, now that's, 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 that's part of the what, okay? Rafi and then Tamla. And then we need to go to the next question. <laughs> Movie nights. Yeah, we've, we tried that a couple of times. Yeah, I mean it's not, and and it and it was okay. It just you know, the yeah, yeah, and again, the thing we have to keep in mind is inviting the outside folks in. See, we we've we've got to make those connections outside to draw them in, Tamla. So, so those are all great ideas. I hope you wrote them down in your papers because those are some of the things that we need to be thinking about putting into play, okay? So let's think about those are strengths we need to develop. Those are strengths that we already have. And then what changes in order to implement those things? In order to implement those things, what changes will we need to consider making? 
in our facilities, in our attitudes, in our lifestyles? How much money are we willing to take out of our pocketbook and put towards those adventures, those investments? See, if we're going to target our community with evangelism, we have to fish for the kind of fish that we can best catch. That's the primary part. But we also, and I think you said it earlier, Dennis, we, we, we have to go after those individuals that we're most likely to reach first. Not just everybody at one time, but those we're most likely to reach first. When Jesus, remember we said last week, when Jesus went out, he said he was sent out to who? The Israelites, because that's what he was. Right? And when he sent the disciples out, who did he tell them to go out to? The Israelites. He said, I want you to go out to the lost sheep of Israel. Because that's what those guys that he'd been working with were. They were the lost sheep. Now they were lead sheep leading others in. So it's important we understand that. Andrew. Andrew was a fisherman. Who did he go after? First, his brother, who was another fisherman. So we want to be strategic in what we're doing. And that's the only reason I'm presenting this stuff to you the way that we're doing it, is we, is we just want to make sure we put into play what we're trying to do. But we want to, if we're going to make that kind of investment in evangelism, we want to do it the best way possible, right? We don't want any waste, right? You guys are awful quiet. I see a few heads shaking, maybe. Two questions to determine the target. What kind of people are we already reaching? What would you say? Say it again. Seniors. So we need maybe to have some more programs for them. All right. When a visitor walks in the door, when a guest walks in the door, what do you think the question is? Are these all God-fearing people? Are these all a bunch of Baptists? What, what do you think their first question is? What's their first query in their mind? Where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? <laughs> okay, second, second query then. Where do I drop off the kids? Oh, my goodness. Third question. Where's the coffee pot? Where's the coffee pot? Okay, you guys are not playing this game fun. The question I think most people, when you walk into a new environment... Any new environment? Is there anybody here like me? Is there somebody here like me? If they can find somebody here like them, they'll be more apt to stay. But if they don't find anybody like them, they're more apt to go out that back door. That's just the reality of it. So what does that mean? I'm going to tell you what I think it means. I think if we see a new guest come in, 
And I have to rely on a lot of you guys to do this and the rest of the congregation and anybody that's listening or watching online that comes here on a regular basis. We should try to make five to seven contacts with that individual, and that means you have to pay attention to what's going on with that individual and at least let them know that they've had contact with five to seven people when they come in that door and give them the opportunity to see, hey, you know, this person's sort of like me. Maybe I can talk to them. Larry talked about building rapport. Rafi talked about building rapport. Warren talked about building relationships and rapport. That's how we do it. That's part of how we do it. Because if they find somebody like them, they're more apt to stick around. So it's not a big theological question, is it? When they first come in, they don't have a big theological question. They may be hurting. They may need to talk to somebody, true. But it's more of a sociological question. Do I fit in socially with this group of people? Is there somebody I can relate to? So we have to keep that in mind. If a young parent walks in the door with two little screaming mimis, what are they going to look for? Somebody else with some little screaming mimis, right? Some other little ones, some babies. If they got babies, they're going to look for somebody and they're going to gravitate towards somebody else that has babies. If they have tweeners, those that are not yet teens but not yet or past the baby stage, they're going to want to see if there's anybody in that congregation like that. So that's what we have to keep in mind. If they find somebody like them, they're much more likely to stay and stick around. Is a church for a retirees, like Leonard said a minute ago, is a church full of retirees, like Tucson Estates, going to be able to reach out to a bunch of teenagers successfully? They might reach out to them, but drawing them in to that type of atmosphere and experience is not going to appeal to them. So that's the reason I said this, this whole premise up front was to get you guys thinking about some things and who we actually reached right now. If you have a church full of factory workers... Do you think they're going to be able to reach out to CEOs and professional people, doctors and lawyers and things like that? Not, it's possible, but not very likely. Different mindset, different thought process. So, you know, who are we most likely to reach first is the real question. Not who are we just most likely to reach, period, but who are we most likely to reach first because remember, the more fish, the more opportunity we have to put more hooks in the water. So then I ask you another question. What kind of person am I? What kind of person am I? We need to look at and do some self-analysis here. We need to think about what kind of people do I naturally relate to? It's like Dennis said earlier. It's easier for us to talk to the people I most naturally relate to. You can best reach the people that you relate to and they're able, you're able to have them and you're able to relax around them also.
I, I agree 100% with you, but we're talking about targeting, and we've been working on this for three or four weeks now, working on developing a strategy of who to target first, who to draw in first, so that we can build the congregation up to be stronger. So here's, here's a dilemma. We have to attract first who we want. No, we can't attract who we want. We have to first attract who we are, and then we can work on attracting who we want. Chris. Right. Right. And I'm glad you said that because we're going to caveat into this last part. All right. So I want you guys to stick with me for a second. We're going to go through this pretty quick. What do you do when the current church doesn't match the community? Think about that question for a second. Let's say your community changes and you wind up with a completely different church that doesn't match the community anymore. You have three options, and they're listed on your paper. Your first option is you build from your strengths. You decide that you're going to move forward. You're going to keep doing exactly what you're doing. You're just going to learn how to do it better. And you don't try to become something you're not. Now, why do I say that? Because if you try to become something you're not, the community is going to figure it out pretty quick. The growth may be limited, but those individuals still need the Lord, right? You guys aren't saying anything. Hopefully you're thinking yes. Okay, number two. The second option is you reinvent the congregation. Okay? Let me think about this for a second. In other words, if we're a traditional church and we are having mostly seniors and we want to change over to a contemporary format and you just absolutely change over to reach this other age group, you have to do some self-evaluation. You have to do some overall evaluation of the church. My advice is don't do this. Not this way. If you do and you're in any leadership position, you might as well just sacrifice your life and give it to God right there because they're going to take you down. The rest of the congregation is going to take you down. Why do I say that? You're going to be attacked. You're going to be criticized. You're going to be maligned. You're going to be misunderstood, and nobody's going to appreciate it or understand it. To take a church that has been going one direction for so many years and try to completely turn it another way is suicide. 
okay? You just, you just, it's like cutting off your feet underneath yourself. And the bigger the church is, the harder it is to do that. The more difficult it becomes. If you have a church of 40 people and two or three families leave and two or three new families come in, you have the opportunity to change the whole dynamic of the church. And if you decide to do this church change and you're going to reinvent the congregation, you have to make sure you understand that you're going to lose people. Typically, they say when you try to reinvent a church like that, you lose 30 to 40% of your congregation like that. Now, the third thing to do is you either start a new congregation to reach those new groups or you sponsor another church. How do you know when a living, breathing organism has reached maturity? It's able to replicate itself. It produces other living beings. How do you know when a church has reached its maturity? It gives birth to other churches. Okay? Now, if you're going to do this third one, the way to do it is exactly like was said a minute ago. You start a different service at a different time with a different format and venue. You do not kill your other services, but you start a new service. Saturday night would be ideal. You put another hook in the water. You're fishing with another line. You know, you're not going to reach that younger generation with the old songs, the old hymns. You're only going to reach that younger generation with the younger songs and the more upbeat music and a different mindset and a different venue. So that's, that's just some things to think about. There's this whole dynamic, there's this whole process that if you're going to go through change, there's right ways to do it and there's wrong ways to do it. And you don't want to get the cart before the horse on any of this. Warren. There's, there's, 
this whole thing that I, I, I laid out for you guys tonight was just an opportunity for you guys to brainstorm, to think about some things. If we're going to do this, we're going to have to f step up and do some things, but they need to be done in the appropriate order. And there's a lot of opportunities to make these things work, but it's going to take work, that dirty four-letter word, W-O-R-K. And it's not <laughs> going to be easy. There's a lot of strategies. There's a lot of playbooks. I actually have two books that Dr. J gave me, The Pastor's Playbook. And it talks about part of this stuff. And, and it's, it's interesting reads. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of interesting stuff behind it, but it's not always easy to do. And you've got to have at least a good core group of people that are willing to get behind it. And as they go through the process, they have to bring other people in to help work the system. Leonard. Yeah, we have. It was rough for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't have a choice. Some. I appreciate that, Leonard. That's a good comment. And that's, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to just get this out in front of you guys and get you guys to thinking about some of this stuff because we have the opportunity, and I want to present it this way, we have the opportunity to continue to make change. But we want to make the right changes and we want to make them for the right reasons. Yeah, Glenn. The music, the main thing is Worship the word, the word of God, preach that there's reverence in the house of God. Yeah. And I, I think that our, our music, I like all sorts of music. But right. I, I like a good Gregorian chant every time. I don't doubt it, Glenn. Huh? <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, but there's a broad gamut. However, there's 
music uh, here now on Christian radio, the two FM big Christian radio stations, uh -huh. that I like, that I enjoy, but I do not have the church. Right. So they, they sort of mention and they sort of linger, but they really don't exalt or praise or go to the worship or reverence right. part. Right. But there are some newer ones that do, and they're using actual scriptures in there, or they're reading. cut this short. I need to pray and close this out. We need to sing our final song because we're 10 minutes late and there's some parents looking for kids and kids wanting to go to parents and I'm sure these guys are ready to go. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to share with one another and, and I, I, I appreciate the fact that so many individuals are willing to brainstorm and just think through some of these processes and some of the programs and some of the changes and way we need to adapt and uh, go through what we need to do in order to make our church grow and to make it stronger and healthier. We thank you for the opportunities you've given each one of us to serve in various areas. And Lord, we just pray that you'd continue blessing uh, us as we work individually and the congregation corporately as we work on these things together. And it's wonderful to be able to do those things together, to work alongside brothers and sisters who are so committed to serving you in so many various ways. And Father, we just love you and we praise you. And I know, Lord, that tonight there's many that have physical struggles and health issues and maybe financial issues and just, just family issues. There's, there's so many things going on in the world today, Lord. We just pray that you would work in our lives and work in the lives of those that may be watching online or or watching with a CD or audio, that you would just help draw them closer to you. Help them remember that you are always, always in control. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Dennis? Nineteen seventy five, Raphael. <clears throat> <laughs> oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, 
how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life, what more could he give? Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Jesus to Calvary did go, his love for mankind to show. What he did there brought hope from despair. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he loves me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. God bless you.